You may have noticed, you probably heard, we're going to be doing something a little different this morning. We're calling it uh, Worship Sunday. Now, uh, obviously, we hope that um, every Sunday, in one sense, is uh, Worship Sunday, and really every day of the week, for that matter, is uh, a day of worship. But what we mean when we are calling this Worship Sunday is, um, ever since uh, the coronavirus and the quarantine and all this stuff, um, there's been... Uh, we've not been able, uh, as a church, really to to sing. We've we've not gotten the music thing going in our watch parties and all of that. It uh, certain things made it a little bit complicated, and uh, we've missed that. I know you guys have missed that, and so we're like, you know what? All right, let's let's start recording uh, music and things and start bringing it into the service. And so this morning we're actually going to spend a more of an extended time uh, singing together. Um, and I know while it's not quite the same uh, as if we were all in one room raising our voices. Uh, Still, nonetheless, uh, it can be, it should be, I have hope that it will be a a, a blessing to you as maybe you get to kind of turn up your, your TV or turn up your device and, 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 you know, get it to a volume where, you, okay, you can't hear yourself as much or whatever if you feel a little awkward and, and just engage. And I mean really engage, like raise your hands, uh, uh, lift your voice, uh, get on your face, get on your knees, whatever, wherever you're at with the Lord. I think he really wants to meet us in this space. And I'd encourage you to go all out, <laughs> go all out. Uh, don't hold back. It could be awkward, sure, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, I hope and trust it will be a blessing. Um, so to be clear, we are still going to spend time in God's word. It's just going to be a little different. Um, and my hope is it'll actually be a little shorter as well, which I uh, assume that already has some of your hearts set to <laughs> to worship. Uh, so uh, my hope is to be a little bit shorter, and what we're going to try to do here, I'm going to open up uh, Psalm 150 for us in a moment. So if you have a Bible, you can t- turn to Psalm 150, but I'm going to break that psalm into three little sections, three kind of headings or points, and um, we're going to you know, read that section, reflect on it a bit, and then sing uh, a few songs. We're going to then take section two, read, reflect, and then sing songs, and we're going to do that three times. Um, So that's kind of going to be the flow for this morning. Uh, Let me then read Psalm 150 to you. Um, Psalm 150 verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then He just says it one more time for emphasis. Praise the Lord. So let's pray before we get started here. God, if there's one thing this text makes clear, it's that we are called as your creatures, as your redeemed ones, to praise you. We're called to lift our voices in joy, in delight, all that you are for us in Jesus. Sing. And God, I know, man, I know that this time has been hard for a lot of us. And I do wonder when the last time, God, some of your people, uh, when was the last time some of them sang? I I do wonder how many weeks, how many months have gone by without them really engaging and praising like we're called to in this psalm. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would maybe take us where we're at, Maybe some of us are just kind of neutral. Maybe some of us are actually doing quite well. Others of us are probably in, just in, in, the, in the depths. <laughs> We're just in the doldrums. We're down in the dark. And God, I'm praying you'd take us wherever we are and you would just elevate us. You would, you would set a fire in our hearts. God, we'd find ourselves by the time we're done 
fulfilling this psalm, obeying this psalm, living this out, praising the Lord with all that we have. I know that's a big ask, but you're a big God. And so, uh, Lord, I, we just invite you to come into these moments and do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now, before I kind of, you know, break out with the first section, I should at least say a, a couple things uh, just about uh, this psalm in general. Uh, I just need to make sure we're, we're up to speed with this. I think most of us know the psalms are... Um, essentially what would have been ancient Israel's uh, hymn book. So they would come together in corporate worship and things, and they would sing uh, from the Psalms or what uh, is known as the Psalter, the book of uh, Psalms. And um, one of the things I thought would be important to point out is that uh, in this Psalter, you may have noticed, although if you're on a device, perhaps you didn't catch it, uh, Psalm 150, our psalm for this morning, is actually the last psalm in the book. So it comes at the very end of this kind of hymn book uh, of the ancient people of Israel. And I just thought, man, what a way to end this last line just kind of calling for everything that has breath to praise the Lord. And if you kind of look at the psalmist we're going to do here, you kind of notice it's almost like this mic drop type of moment, almost like this, the show is over, drop the mic and go home, or the grand finale, if you've ever um, you know, seen you know, a good fireworks show on 4th of July or New Year's or something, man, when they just kind of hurl up in the sky everything that they got because the show is coming to an end. And it, that's kind of like what we've got here where there's just fireworks going on. There's just color. It's just a, a, a grand finale, a climax, really, to the entire book of Psalms. And um, I think it's uh, amazing for uh, that reason in particular. And I wanted to spend some time reflecting on it with you. Um, Three sections really serve as kind of three points. Let me give them to you up front. Uh, and again, we're going to take one at a time, reflect, sing, and then kind of move in that cadence. Uh, so uh, first, the, prop, the propriety of praise, verses one and two. Uh, second, the instruments of praise, verses three through five. And then uh, third and finally, the crescendo of praise, verse six. Uh, so that's where we're headed. Let's take the first one. Now, um, the propriety of praise, verses 1 and 2. Now, when I say propriety, I realize maybe that's uh, a confusing word or something, but um, what I'm meaning to say here is uh, it's proper, it's appropriate, it just makes sense that we uh, praise the Lord. Uh, it's the, the proper response that we ought to have in, uh, when we come uh, to see our creator. And that's what I want you to see here at first, the propriety of praise, uh, verses one and two. Let's read it again. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Um, kind of bring out two things in particular here um, for us to kind of consider and reflect on. And maybe would would put it like this. Uh, the first one is, is just this idea of praise, praising him in. And then the second piece is praising him for. So praising him in and praise him for. Uh, so praise him in. And you see that there in verse one. The psalmist is calling for praise both in God's sanctuary and then also in his mighty heavens. And I think the idea here is, is there's supposed to be kind of praise coming from both earth and and heaven. Um, I think in other words, you could say uh, praise to God, praise to the Lord ought to be happening everywhere, in every place, uh, every dimension and every domain of the created universe ought to be ringing out with praise for the creator. Um, so whether you're on earth and you're, you know, seeking God like Israel would in the sanctuary, you're praising him. Or whether you're in heaven, like some of the angelic beings, perhaps, uh, and that sort of thing, you are praising him. Heaven and earth, sanctuary, mighty heavens. Or as one commentator put it, earth and heaven can be utterly at one in this. 
His glory fills the universe. His praise must do no less. So wherever you are, praise the Lord. But then now we move to this second thing. Praise Him in. Uh, now praise Him for. Um, I think if you're anything like me, if, if we're honest, sometimes when you hear that, that sort of call to praise the Lord, uh, just kind of the sheer uh, uh, call or even command to praise Him, uh, it can almost uh, disincline you to do so. Uh, it, can, it can almost be a little bit uh, off-putting, right? Because you have this being who is essentially demanding that we praise. And you say, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't feel right. In fact, it makes me kind of not want to praise. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't, don't twist my arm. Why, why, don't, why are you demanding it? This feels strange. But um, such a sentiment really um, is to miss the very heart and nature of this God we're called to praise. Um, and that's what's really brought out in verse 2. So I want you to see this. This is that idea of praise Him for. So it's not just praise Him in every place, every dimension, every domain. It's praise Him for. It's not just praise Him because He demands it. It's praise Him because He is great and He is good. In other words, there are reasons why we erupt why we ought to erupt with praise. So it's not as though our arms are twisted tight enough, so okay, I guess we will. It's that we see how great and good He is. And almost like that fireworks show we are just talking about, kind of erupts from within us in response to Him. Um, so the psalmist says this, Praise Him for His mighty deeds. And I just kind of wanted to stop there because we don't have too much time. Again, we're just trying to do little reflections and uh, fasten in on uh, the reason that he gives you this idea of mighty deeds, which in the Hebrew is just a single word, gevura, uh, gevura. I'm sorry, gevura. Um, but now, to be sure, when we think about God's mighty deeds, we could just say, ah, generically, it's probably just talking about uh, creation. You know, he made the stars. He made the, you know, Megan and I were just talking about the size of the universe last night as we were watching a show about space. And it's just like, this is unbelievable. And so, yes, his mighty deeds certainly do involve that generic kind of creation uh, and that sort of thing. You can see, oh, wow, it's amazing. But I think there's more to this idea uh, in particular, and why our hearts erupt with praise for it. Because it's, it, it's, it's not just uh, uh, generically speaking about his creation and how good he is there, but it's actually also referring to and can refer to these mighty deeds uh, that he does in our redemption. The, the way that he takes his greatness, his might, and he uses it for our good. So I'm just out there somewhere. He's great. Look at the heavens. It's wow. He's right here working with that power for my good. It's the saving work of God manifested throughout history that leads to our praise, right? So Psalm 20 verse 6 gets at this using that same word. Um, the psalmist says this, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with saving might. Now, um, or I'm sorry, with the saving might of his right hand. And that word might there is the same word, gavura, mighty deeds, the saving mighty deeds of his right hand. So they're not just out there somewhere. They're right here. He's flexing that right arm for me, saving me. And that's the idea, I think. So with verse 2 then, we realize that God is not uh, just greater than us. He's greater uh, for us. And you've got to catch that spin. You've got to catch the distinction and the difference. Because that will make all the difference in your praise. He's not just greater than you. Like he's up there somewhere and he's all powerful. And yes, that's true. But he's also greater for you. <laughs> that means he takes that greatness, takes that might, and, and marshals it in concern for you, in love for you, to save, redeem, help you. Little, old, small, insignificant, sinful you. That gives us reason to praise, does it not?
If God were only greater than us, we should find perhaps that we are in dread of him, maybe even in awe of him. But I don't know if it would lead us to adoration, to delight, to praise him. That God is greater for us changes everything. This is what catches the heart on fire. Uh, He's not just somewhere high above us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. It's incredible. It's incredible. Now, Moses is on to something uh, in Deuteronomy 3.24 when he says this, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness. You've only begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts? There's our word again in Hebrew, gavura, and mighty acts as yours. I love this because on the one hand, Moses goes, man, I have seen a lot. (laughs) I have seen some of your mighty deeds and they have been wonderful. They have been redemptive. Uh, They give me plenty of of fodder for praise, right? You think of what Moses had seen in the exodus from Egypt, whether you're talking about the plagues or you're talking about the parting of the Red Sea or then how they kind of came through the water and out in the wilderness, how God sustained them with manna from heaven or water from the rock. Moses, on the one hand, had seen a lot, but then on the other hand, what's so beautiful here is he says, listen, at the same time, I am aware that you've only just begun to show me how how powerful, how amazing, how good you are, how great you are for me. You've only just begun to showcase all you can do and will do for the sake of your people. This is where we just fast forward to the New Testament church and what comes to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, yes and amen. Moses, you were on to something. You were right. God had only just begun. What he was showing you was just shadows of what he's going to show us in Jesus, right? So the, 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 you know, the Messiah comes, Jesus comes, and he works an even greater exodus for sinful people, saving us not just from Pharaoh, but from Satan, sin, and death. The Messiah comes in Christ and he's now, uh, you know, better than this manna. He is the living bread that's come down from heaven to nourish God's people. You know, water from a rock, that's a pretty cool magic trick. But Jesus himself is the rock that was struck uh, by the rod of God's wrath and, 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 and opened up rivers of living water for his people to drink, be satisfied, find new life. So Moses, you're right. God had only just begun. And we now, the New Testament church, the New Testament people, Christians, followers of Christ can say, wow, we've experienced some of that. We've tasted some of that. These mighty deeds, gavura, we've we've seen it. We can praise you for it. And I love it because even though we stand kind of not on the near side with Moses anymore of the cross, but the far side of it, we can at the same time still say with Moses, I think very similarly, though we've seen these mighty deeds, we've experienced this stuff at Calvary and with Jesus and the Spirit, in the same sense, man, God, it seems like you've only just begun. It seems like it's just going to get fuller. It's going to get richer. We're just going to see more and more. It's amazing. Praise the Lord for that. Now this really just sets us up for some evaluation before we sing. And I um, wanted to know where you're at. And I want you to take inventory. Where have you been with, with praising God in every place and, and for his goodness and his greatness? When's the last time that you really sang out in joy uh, to God? When's the last time your heart kind of erupted with fireworks, as it were, uh, in view of who he is and what he's done uh, for you? I know this has been a hard season, and that's why we kind of wanted to spend some time to reflect. Uh, I wonder... Uh, Though you may know God is this or that way, I wonder when's the last time you've properly responded to him with praise. I'll tell you a quick story just to kind of get at this as we're kind of thinking about proper response. Um, (laughs) We have a garden in our backyard, um, and uh, I was out there the other night, and it was kind of dusk, sun was going down, and I was grabbing some cucumbers, tomatoes, things like that. And I heard this rustling in the bushes, you know, behind. And I actually had built an enclosure 
um, years prior because we've had issues with rodents and stuff coming in and eating all our stuff. I'm like, the only way I'm planting is if we can actually keep our produce secure, right? So I heard this rustle. I'm already like, uh-oh, what was that? Um, <laughs> and I, I look, and I'm kind of squinting my eyes, and I hear it again, you know, because, again, it's getting dark, and I see these two little rats uh, thankfully, they're on the outside of the enclosure, but they've been trying to get in. They're eating the stuff that's kind of growing out of the enclosure. And I see these guys, uh, and I, 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 you know, I'm right there, just kind of dead on them. And let me just be clear. I uh, typically, I have an affinity for all of God's creatures, okay? I uh, never could be a hunter. I had friends who do that sort of thing. I'm like, I could not imagine killing uh, a creature or whatever. If I ever did anything, I wanted to be like a photographer. Like, if I shoot an animal, I'll shoot it on film. That sounds fun. National Geography, that was my thing. Uh, kind of nerdy, I, I know. But I will tell you, when it comes to rats trying to uh, get into my garden, eat my produce, there's no, there's no mercy for that. There's no affinity for that. There's no patience for that. So I'm eyes locked on these guys, and they're frozen. I'm thinking, you know, they're frozen from fear, and I, I, I'm trying to plan my next move because they're kind of in this weird little space where I couldn't reach them, but I could, I could, I could see them, and we're, I knew they were looking right at me, and I was looking right at them, and I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let out the loudest, uh, craziest sound I ever could, and I, I'm going to scare these things, you know, into the next block or the next neighborhood, and so I just yell out, right? Like not like one of those high, high pitched shriek, kind of like a girl sees a rat sort of thing. No offense. But like I tried to go for like the Braveheart, Mel Gibson thing, like freedom. Like I was going for it. I don't know what the neighbors thought at that point. I imagine they thought I'd lost my mind. They probably already think that or I was dying or something. But I, I wanted to get these guys out of that's the only move I could I could see making at that point. So I yelled with all of my might and I anticipated I anticipated these guys were going to run I anticipated they would maybe shriek with terror and then run and maybe maybe go find their buddies and gossip rumors would spread about 549 Jesse James and no rat would ever come back into my neighborhood again but that would have been the proper response if you're wondering where I'm going with this but instead I yell with all of my might. And they literally just kind of blink, look at me, sit there, and go back to eating my food. <laughs> it's almost as if they were mocking me, laughing. I'm making such a fool. Now, I did get one of them to pee. <laughs> he peed all over my plants. But that's about the most I got. I don't know if that was in fear or defiance. All I know is it wasn't the proper response. It wasn't what I was thinking would happen. I mean, do you know who I am? Do you know what I can do? Go! But they didn't go. They just stayed there. And what I realized as I kind of reflected on that whole uh, incident was, man, sometimes with God, we're kind of like that. Not in a negative way where we ought to be, you know, scared and terrified and run away, but in view of his goodness and his greatness. And just like those rats, man, they see something in me, that should have sent them off running. Well, we see things in God, in the cross, at Calvary, in his greatness, and his goodness, and it ought to set us off to praise, and yet we just kind of sit there blinking our eyes going, eh, going back to whatever we were doing. That can happen sometimes. The proper response gets mixed up we we we've perhaps gotten you know distracted or we get calloused indifferent distant cold apathetic jaded and so as we sing these first couple of songs i just want you to take your spiritual temperature just think, man, where am i where is the proper response am i praising the lord everywhere for all of these things he's shown me or have i just lost sight of that in the midst of this crazy am i even reading scripture anymore do I see his mighty deeds in scripture? Do I see his mighty deeds in my life? Maybe there needs to be some repentance. Maybe there needs to be some recounting of what God has done and is doing, giving thanks to him for it. So just invites you to do that as we sing now.
I see your face in every sunrise The colors of the morning are inside your eyes The world awakens in the light of the day I look up to the sky and say I see your power in the moonlit night Where planets are in motion and galaxies are bright We are amazed in the light of the stars It's all proclaiming who you are You're beautiful I see you there hanging on a tree You bled and then you died and then you rose again for me Now you are sitting on your heavenly throne Soon we will be coming home You're beautiful I see your face, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. I see your face, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. All that you are, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. You're beautiful The nations rage, kingdoms rise and fall. There is still one king reigning over all. So I will not fear for this truth. Oh
Let's move on then to the second section, the second heading really that I uh, titled the instruments of praise. So the propriety of praise, now the instruments of praise, verses three through five of Psalm 150. Uh, In this section now, what you'll notice is we move from praise him in and praise him for, which we saw last time, now to praise him with, praise him with the means or the instruments of praise. Praise, and we read this. Praise him with the trumpet sound, with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. So the psalmist, it seems to me here, uh, just kind of goes off. He just kind of goes off and he, and he just starts listing every kind of musical instrument he can imagine. So, you know, you got stringed instruments, you got winded instruments, you got percussion. And when you run out of instruments, you can dance. You got arms and legs. You can you can move. Right. Um, what we see it actually kind of conjures up the image of Aaron's 
uh, sister Miriam, uh, when she's, she and the other ladies are kind of, uh, of Israel are kind of dancing on the banks of the Red Sea, playing music and dancing on the banks of the Red Sea after God's great deliverance of them from Egypt. So in view of what God has done, and we are just grabbing whatever instruments, if we don't have instruments, using our body, like finding whatever we can to praise the Lord. When you see him, when you catch that revelation, when you understand who he is and who he is for you, you just, yes, how could I not? Give me something to play. Give me something to do. I want to add to the chorus of praise. Whatever you've got in your hand, with whatever instrument you can find lying around, just kind of grabbing it and using it. It's an instrument. I, you know... I've got kids, and I remember when I was a kid, I mean, mine are already starting to do this, um, but I remember one of the things I'd do with my sisters, we would, um, you know, you could make a band out of anything, anywhere, anytime, right? You, you didn't need instruments. Uh, you could, ma- you know, you had a whole arsenal of instruments in the kitchen, right? You got your pots, your pans, your sticks, your forks, you know, your spoons, your whatever, your rubber bands, you could, you know, twang or whatever. We would, we would do that uh, <laughs> often, and I think that's kind of the picture. In fact, if you want to teach this psalm to your kids this week, maybe have them see what they can do. Find some things and bring it in and teach them some of the things you're learning here. Uh, let's make a band together. And then you realize what the psalmist, I think, is doing here is it's this idea of, man, whatever you can get a hold of, whatever you have in your life, use it as an instrument to the praise of Yahweh. Use it as an instrument to the praise of God. And I think with that, we're invited to move beyond just, you know, making literal music with literal instruments. Uh, We're invited into this bigger picture of, man, every aspect of your life ought to be adding to this this chorus of praise. So whether you want to talk about your job or your money or your relationships or whatever else, man, grab that up and play sweet music to God. It's an instrument to be used uh, to praise Him with. And if we're to kind of bring the first and second points together now, then the idea would be this. We should be praising the Lord not only wherever we are, in heaven, earth, wherever, but also uh, in whatever we're doing. Wherever you are in whatever you're doing, whatever's around, praise God with it, through it. So in other words, your entire life should be one glorious hymn, as it were played out in praise of the greatness and goodness of God for you and Jesus. I think that's the picture the psalmist is getting at with these verses. Just everything. Pick it up and, and, and leverage it to the praise of God. And I, I think it's kind of what Paul is getting at when in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, in view of what you've seen, for these great, uh, for these mighty deeds, right, of redemption. Uh, By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is, and here's what I want you to hear, your spiritual worship. And he goes on, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And so the idea, I think, is it's not so much music that makes your worship. That's a part of it, sure. But it's your life. It's your living sacrifice. It's it's your Christ-exalting, self-sacrificing, spirit-transformed life. That's the music that's sweet to God's ears. That's what he wants to hear. There are times in Israel's history where he's just going, I don't want your songs if I don't have your heart, if I don't have your life. And so I think the psalmist is here saying, man, what's in your life? How are you leveraging every aspect of your life, everything that's in your hands? Everything that's around you, how are you leveraging it to the praise of God? How are you using it as an instrument to add to that glorious hymn that is your life? I'll give you an example. If, if everything we kind of have in our hand is to be used as an instrument, let me just tell you a real quick little uh, illustration example of this. So, you know, Megan and I like to go to taco shop um, it's amazing. Best tacos I've ever had. Lucy's Mexican Grill, in case you're curious. Um, so good. Uh, super tacos. But we do that almost once a week. And sometimes, uh, you know, I'll, we'll put them in after maybe the kids go to bed, reheat them or whatever. And I'm kind of plating them up. There's two here, two there. And uh, as I'm taking it to the table, I realize, oh, man, 
Now this plate, those tacos there, they're definitely bigger, right? There's more guac on there, more avocado. There's more meat. Uh, there's more cheese. All the fixings. I mean, they're just exploding. And this one over here, it's like, eh. And you're looking, and I'm having this sort of existential crisis in that moment, like, what do I do with this? What do I do with this dilemma? I mean, so you can, you can rationalize, right? Like, I'm the man, right? I, I need more calories. I need more food. My wife, look, she's little and teeny. She doesn't need all this. I, I'll just, I'll, I'll go ahead and take that. But I want you to think about whatever you have in your hand, instrument of praise. <laughs> are you going to, you know, what kind of song are you going to play with this instrument right now, Nick? Is it going to be me, 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 me? Or are we going to add something to the, to the praise of God? Are we going to say, man, you gave your life and love for me. I'm pretty sure I can give these tacos, uh, <laughs> these better, bigger tacos to my wife in love for her and in praise of you. And so again, we kind of have to come and, and, and ask ourselves, where are we in this? Where are we with the stuff that we've got going on in our life? What's in our hands right now? Is it an instrument of praise or not? Think about it. Let me just rifle a list. Your job, your money, your sexuality, your intelligence, your free time, your parenting, your friendships, your health, your sickness, your joys, your sorrows. All of those things can be, uh, you know, leverage this instrument to bring sweet music to Jesus that others hear too and go, man, what is going on in that guy's life and in his heart? So are we doing that or are we kind of playing our own tune? You know, like the guy that's off in the corner of the band kind of, you know, marching to his own little beat or playing his own little beat, throwing everything off. Or the girl that forgot to tune up her guitar before she strums into the song and it's all just not fitting. It doesn't sound right. So as you go into a couple more songs here and we sing together, I want you to kind of reflect. Am I holding stuff back from God? Um, Am I holding things too tightly? Uh, or am I that living sacrifice? Am I playing that sweet music as I, as I let everything in my life be used for His praise? Um, encourage you to pray on that. Think about that. God uh, wants not just your voice in these moments. He wants your heart. He wants your life. Let's give it to Him in praise. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free I sing for all that you've done for me. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place. That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for All that you've done for me
back into order Who makes the orphan a certain daughter The King of glory, the King of glory Who rules the nations with truth and justice Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance The King of glory, the King above all kings This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross you've done for me Worthy is the Lamb who was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave Worthy is the Lamb who was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave Worthy is the Lamb who was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave Worthy is the Lamb who was slain Worthy, worthy, worthy Oh, this is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place you've done for me
your heart is uh, being released in praise uh, of, of Yahweh, of Jesus. Um, now we move to the um, third section uh, of this psalm, and really the last verse, verse 6. I'm calling it the crescendo of praise here, and this is really where we're going to close. Um, so let's look at that verse one more time. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, I love that the book of Psalms ends with this note. Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Because really, it's not just the book of Psalms that's going to end on this note. It's actually going to be, it seems, all of history that's going to end on this note. Um, In other words, this is not just something that comes at the end of the Psalter. It's something that's coming at the end of the age. Uh, so it's very fitting that the whole book of Psalms ends the same way that, the, that the, the, this age is going to end as Jesus returns and wraps it up. Um, while this verse is clearly relevant to the present moment, and we should uh, labor as a church to see uh, everything that has breath coming to praise the Lord more and more and more. I think it's also a most profound foreshadowing of the future, uh, a foreshadowing of the world that is on the way, uh, the world that's coming with the return of Christ, where we see everything that has breath is going to praise the Lord. I'm thinking of Revelation 5 in particular where John is talking about these visions he's, he's getting of the future. And God is showing him some stuff that's coming to pass and what's going on. And it's amazing because he gets this, uh, 
there's this vision of this scroll with these seals and no one can open up the scroll and they're all weeping in heaven. And the idea of the scroll is really kind of, uh, the idea is it's God's plan for history. It's God's plan for the cosmos and it's wrapped up and no one can fulfill it. No one can bring it to its proper uh, end uh, until John says he sees the lion of the tribe of Judah show up. Jesus appears there in heaven. And the amazing thing is he's described as this lamb, not just a lion, but a lamb standing as though it had been slain. And he alone, we're told, can open those seals, can open the scroll, can fulfill God's plan for all of history. And the whole place uh, upon that revelation erupts with praise. And that's what I want you to see. This is Revelation 5 verses 8 and following. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And here it is. This is what I wanted you to see. This is the connection to Psalm 150. And I heard, verse 13, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be blessing, and honor, and glory, and might, forever and ever. In other words, in view of the Lamb who was slain, who could open the seals, fulfill God's plan for history, in view of what he has come to do, everything that has breath is praising the Lord whether on earth or in heaven. Just joining the choir, erupting at that point. This is how the story ends. This is where God is taking the world in Jesus. Um, and as Christians, man, we can't forget that. Uh, I've said it numerous times now, but it's just because I know We're all right now stressed out and struggling. I mean, I've talked to folks that, I mean, they're having friends and other people committing suicide because of the pressures and the stress of this season that we are finding ourselves in. So I know we're worried about, man, where is the world headed? Where is this going? What's going on? We're anxious about our physical health. And what's going to happen? Are they going to come up with immunization? Are we ever going to get back to normal? We're worried. We're anxious about the economy. And what's going to happen with the markets and with our job? We're anxious about race relations and wondering, are we ever going to get it right or tease out what the issues are and how to fix them and agree on some of them? Are we ever going to get that right? We're anxious about Governing authorities and politics. We've talked about that the past couple of weeks. Just who should be in charge and who do we vote for? What do we do? And Christian, even against Christian, fighting and battling and stressed out. We're anxious about the environment even perhaps. Kind of wondering, why is everything on fire? And the scientists are saying this. And what do we make of all this stuff? Where is the world headed? Now, The secular person, person who doesn't think there's transcendent truth, doesn't believe in God, isn't interested in that. The secular person has to be anxious about these things because this world, this age, is all that there is. And so, man, the future seems uh, like a, a frightening and unknown prospect. They got to scramble to try to fix, to try to, you know, come up with whatever is going to, you know, make this place better here and now. And if they don't, so it's always this anxious ridden thing. But as Christians, man, that's, that doesn't have to be our lot. 
We believe in a God who's taking the world to this good and glorious end, who's revealed what's going on, and Jesus is going to fulfill that, and he's going to take us to, to, to he's going to make all the wrong right. right? We believe uh, that Christ is the one who can open the seals, open the scroll. Take us home. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that we don't labor to make this world right. And, and we don't labor to see good stuff come and make it a better place for all. And, you know, care about race relations and economy and health and environment and all these other things. Of course we do. That's what I've preached for the last couple of sermons on in many ways. But it does mean that we don't have to be characterized by a fundamental anxiety as we go about it. Because we know that the one who's ultimately going to make all the wrong right is coming. He's coming. We can have peace. And we can even, in the midst of the chaos, lift our voices in praise. And so I'd encourage you, as we sing this last song, take the stress, take the anxiety, take all that stuff that's been burdening you, that's weighing you down, maybe even still right now, just try your best, lay it at his feet, put it down. Enter into this story where we know it's going to end well. Now, what if that's true? What if it's true that he's going to make all wrong right and every creature, heaven and earth, use their breath to praise? You'll be in that number. How would that shape what's happening in your life right now, what you're feeling in your heart, what you're weighed down by? Give him those burdens. Enter And let's use our breath. Let's use the breath he's given us to praise with all we have. You give life
Right, guys, let's uh, close this service now in prayer. Uh, God, thank you that um, you not only are worthy of our praise, but you have enabled us, you have awakened us by your spirit to praise. Uh, Jesus, we owe our, our lives, we owe the breath in our lungs to you. We recognize that you were, were knocked breathless on the cross so that we could be given fresh air in the spirit and use our breath now to sing and, and to, to lift you up and to adore you. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I'll pray for those that maybe still feel burdened, God, that they would not give up the fight. I pray for those that still feel anxious and scared or lukewarm or cold. God, help them. Help them fight. Help them praise. I pray that this psalm and the reflections we had here in our time singing, God, would serve them well throughout the week. And you'd let these songs even be a soundtrack uh, to our week as we go about our day. God, let us use whatever we have in our hands, wherever you place us. Let us use those things to praise you because you are worthy. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.